in studio now, live. Well, I love when we come uh, together here. I like all our venues because uh, the uh, the Studio 49 down there at the Gallagher Business Building is pretty cool, too. But Justin Angle, University of Montana business professor and uh, the co-host of the Business Angle a couple times a month here uh, on Nuanas Now. What's up, man? How you doing? Not much. Uh Doing well, sliding into summer. We got this home and home series. That yeah, 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 yeah. Place you come to mind. It works out pretty good. Yeah, it is pretty good. So I sent you an article today. I'm sorry for giving you homework. I know you're you're counting down the days so you're back in the classroom here. Right, I'm absolutely counting them. Down. <laughs> no, that was that was a great read. That SI article. It, it was for sure. I mean, so to recap, if you're just now joining us, Ross Dellinger wrote an article for Sports Illustrated. Uh, the entry point here was that conference meetings for a variety of the Power Five leagues happened over the last couple weeks. So the Pac-12, the Big 12, and the ACC all met. And uh, quite a few leaks, I guess you could say, out of, out of these meetings and a lot of speculation. But uh, I thought it was particularly interesting because it actually kind of gave a timeline. You and I have been talking about all this stuff, but it actually gave timelines to when some of these TV deals are up. Yeah. And it's basically this summer or next summer for most of the Power 5 TV deals. So... Uh, just just start there. It seems like the urgency is heightened. There's going to be a lot of different uh, picking and choosing going on, I think. Definitely the urgency is heightened with these deals that are long-term in nature. I mean, I think one of the current deals, the ACC deal, goes out to 2036 with the uh, 2026, but still, that, that was another one of the entry points was the ACC is even sitting there thinking three years is too long. We yeah. can't get left in the dust. And so... It's kind of hard to get your head around what's happening here. It is. And, and, and it'd be interesting, like, to go, we'll come back to this, like, how much actual reporting was in there that's useful for somebody True. to understand what's happening. It was a bunch of quotes from people, right. but those were probably quite strategically placed, right? For sure. But w- what seems to be happening is, like, a conference is a coalition, and that coalition involves transfer payments. Right. Right. It used to involve more than that. It used to involve some similarity in geography, some similarity in size, some other attributes that would tie a collection of schools together. Um, For for example, the Pac-12 is probably the one that has maintained what it wanted in terms of institutional alignment more than most, uh, you know— Part of it was just lip service, but like when Utah and Colorado joined the Pac-12, they said, well, the number one reason is because they're high research institutions that are state schools. Stanford and and Cal aren't going to try to align themselves with anybody that doesn't have at least kind of similar academics. But, but, you know, like you're saying, it used to be a lot more important than it is now. Now, it doesn't matter if you're two time zones away. It seems like everything is a reality if the the numbers are right. Totally. And, And so these are mechanisms for negotiating media contracts, right? And the way you negotiate a media media contract is you try to get the biggest number and then you spread that number around across your member schools and there are some schools that get paid more and some that get paid less. Yeah. And within that is a system of transfer payments, right? There's some schools that are sort of being subsidized to be a part of the consortium and there's some schools that are doing the subsidizing, right? And so that presents a tenuous balance and so these conference commissioners have to hold that together. One strategy to hold it together is just to expand the pie, right? To right. bring in right. other revenue generators so you, right. can, you can raise the top line. Problem is, is that creates or can create more disparity between the members, which makes the coalition inherently more unstable, especially when the only thing tying them together is the media deal. So these things 
by their nature, they're getting bigger and it's feeling like um, consolidation, but I think they're inherently less stable because there's far fewer things other than a media deal tying them together. Well, and that's the whole thing is it shows how unstable it can possibly be because the sort of entry point here was the ACC. They're locked into this deal with ESPN until 2026, but seven of the members want out because they want to be in on the other deals. Four yeah. states are the one pounding the drum wanting to be the one out first because the projections are that they're going to make almost 20% of the revenue for the ACC when it comes to football, yeah. and they're only going to get seven. Right. And, and you know, that's where this whole thing gets wonky. For Florida State to buy their way out of the ACC, it's $125 million. The reason that's wonky is I almost said only $125 million yeah. because that seems yeah. like a great deal considering what you have to gain. Well, what's at stake? Oh, however, it is a gamble. Like, do you want to be in that position of right. being the sort of subsidizer and having stability or do you want to sort of join the bigger pool of bigger players and and, and maybe that maybe that is part of a tide that rises your institution but you are then in a low power position right and they could you know if, if, if you're not pulling your weight or if you're now in a position and Florida State is now in a position where it's being subsidized by other institutions you know that that creates some uncertainty for them as well. So this this whole thing is is kind of a mess. And you see these things that are are, are held together upon fewer and fewer ties. Uh, like I said, they become more inherently unstable, particularly as these deadlines arise. The business angle presented by Blackfoot Communications, Justin Angle in studio to find out how Blackfoot can help you and your small business. Visit goblackfoot.com. I want to come back. We'll come back to some of the specifics here, but I want to ask you a broad question. We, we've talked about this, but um, football in general in America just seems like this this juggernaut that just cannot be stopped. Yeah, is there any risk to this? Uh, you know, because the NFL, we we've discussed extensively why it's such a low risk proposition. The NFL has more than a decade worth of trials by error of all the things that could happen to the league that could derail it that haven't derailed it at all. Is college sports, though, as safe of an investment? Because I do think that there's more volatility here for a variety of reasons. But what do you think? Yeah, this is a tricky space because I have sort of a, um, uh, an ideological uh, approach to this issue. Totally. Like I still sort of feel that these things are educational institutions and right. have an educational mission. And so if college sports is part of that overarching educational mission, I think there's a ton of risk. Right, yes, because this right. is essentially a, a media business now. Right, uh, you layer on just the wholehearted embrace of all things sports gambling at all levels of sport. Uh, that's that's pumped out through mass media, and it just creates all kinds of difficult incentives mm -hmm. for the players, for the coaches, for the university administrators, the university presidents. Um, all of it is rolling up into dollars more and more than it used to. I mean, it's always been a business, but we've been able to sort of do a little hand waving and say, oh, yeah, there's there's more sort of integrity driving the system than just the bottom line. And, right. and all of these forces seem to make it just more explicitly all about the bottom line. And to me, that that adds a just a level of clarity that we maybe didn't have before that, hey, this really is just a business and does it really make any sense that these things are attached to these universities? Well, that's what, uh, I think that the train is rolling down the tracks with no brakes. It's not yeah. stopping, right? 
But that's where I hope it lands. I hope there's some sort of fracturing where everybody that decides that they just want to have a semi-pro football team, basically, because football is going to dictate this whole thing, just do it. And then everybody else is left to make decisions to maybe have football programs and universities that can exist in, in the space that you're talking about. Like I, I think about Stanford and Cal as the potential leaders of this because every team in the Pac-12, it, it, the Washington and Oregons of the world, the Utahs and Colorados and Arizona and Arizona States, they're going to get a piece of the pie. Yeah. They're going to find a way to align with the Big Ten or the Big 12. UCLA and USC are already out. So, but where does Stanford land? I mean, I, I think for to what you're talking about, it would be kind of cool if Stanford just said, hey, we're just going to play independent football. We just want to have a D1 football team because of campus culture, and uh, we're going to prioritize other things. Yeah, it's tricky, though, because the university's whole fundraising apparatus is so tied to the athletic program. Right. Now, yeah. Stanford is an academic institution that has a giant endowment, has a massive... Um, fundraising apparatus that exists outside of sports, and it's got grant research beyond belief. So an institution like that could have the power, but why would they do it other than to uphold academic integrity? So I think it's going to take potentially a fracture that is motivated by the players Hmm. or Mm -hmm. the big coaches, you know, like the Nick Sabans of the world that say, you just, we just don't need a university anymore. Uh, you know, I, I think some things would have to happen, but as you say, we are kind of on a train barreling down the tracks. It does feel like um, the stability in the system is just decreasing and decreasing. It's going to be fascinating because this is go. Everything is going to be dominoes that then fall, and it's going to affect where we're at now. I don't know how. I don't know when. Yeah. But it is. It's definitely going to affect it. And I think so much of that just has to do with the regionality of it all, right? The West has the most to lose because there's only three Division One football playing conferences in the West. I mean, talk about capitalizing on a moment in time. San Diego State has been sort of the the school that's been talked about as the the mid major that's going to be wooed by the yeah. Pac-12, and then they go to the NCAA tournament final. They look a lot even more intriguing now. Yeah, and are you really going to? I mean, is 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 San Diego State a good investment for a conference? I mean, they're sort of the right. flavor of the month, but sure. how long does that last? How sustainable is success? How you know? How does that relate to you know? You're making investments in basketball versus football. Uh, Again, there's just so there's such a small number of things tying these institutions together. For sure, uh, do conferences make sense anymore? Although at the same time, there were three letters that were, uh, or for, sorry, four letters that were conspicuously missing from that SI article, and those were NCAA. Right. right? That, exactly. That was not mentioned once. Exactly. So I know we've talked about that institution a lot in this segment. Does the NCAA maintain any power in this? Their power has been decreasing more and more. For sure. Um, do they maybe become something that football emancipates itself com- from completely? I don't know. Well, that's going to be the entire tipping point, right, is if all these schools are making these decisions, first and foremost, based on their football programs, then what does that do to basketball? Because the last arm of power that the NCAA does have tournament. is administering uh, the uh, the men's basketball yeah. tournament. It's going to be wild to see how it all plays out. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. All I can tell you about what I do know is going to happen is that everything as we know it right now is going to be a lot different, and it's going to be a lot different pretty soon. It's moving fast, yeah. It's definitely going to be moving fast. Duan is now ESPN Radio, uh, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. 
they, they want it to all move fast so the bidding rights can then, so the auctions, you know, is, is this going to be a, a bidding war? And I mean, if Florida State and Clemson somehow end up in the SEC, that SEC deal is going to be worth so much money that it's going to fracture everything else because I just don't know how you keep up. Yeah, and then we've talked about this before. Are there conferences as we know them, or are there just like ESPN schools and Fox Sports schools or some other? <laughs> right. Or Amazon schools. Right, Who knows totally. what it's going to be? Apple maybe <laughs> makes a play in this space. Who knows? Totally. It's going to be wild to see. I mean, maybe we'll just go back to the future. Like People forget that once upon a time, it wasn't just Notre Dame that was playing independent schedules. Yeah. Like Miami, Penn State, a lot of schools were playing independent schedules. Maybe schools decide to go do that. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, the Business Angle, live in studio. Justin Angle is here with us. He is a professor uh, at the University of Montana Business School and joins us a couple times a month to talk about the overlay uh, between business and sports. The PGA Championship coming up mm. this uh, weekend. Um, actually, our, our good friends at Blackfoot just sent me an email just inquiring about the live because they both want a little bit of a lesson. So I wrote them a response and I said we talk about it quite a bit because they were curious this rule sort of changed without me realizing it. You and I were talking about how the, the most conspicuous part of the live tour was that these guys that were going to take these exorbitant amount of money wouldn't then be able to play in some of the major championships. That became untrue quickly, and now it's based on an invite basis, but still 17 guys from the live will be playing in the PGA Championship this week. So uh, I don't know, man. I, I know there's a lot of controversy behind the live, but I also think sort of this... Big bad evil empire league versus the the wholesome PGA guys. It makes for some pretty good theater coming into these majors. Absolutely, and you know we talked about it with that great Netflix program, Full Swing, kind of playing that up. It, it was very salient at the Masters when a lot of the you know the guys that had gone to the Live Tour dominated the leaderboard for there. Sure. Um, so it makes for good drama. Uh, to some degree, however, is it is it drama that's sort of cannibalistic to the sport? Right. <laughs> you know, what are the who are the winners and losers here? It's 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 unclear right now. I think both organizations and certainly the players are benefiting from all the dialogue about it. But but where it lands isn't exactly clear to me. If the four majors still remain as the major events in the sport and they maintain their independence from either league maybe it's sort of this this equilibrium we're in of a sort is maintainable but um at some point it doesn't make sense to have these two tours unless live really delivers on differentiating the product and the viewing experience what is the experience for the athletes and what is the the experience for the viewers because the structure of their tournaments is a little bit different, right? right. They don't play just four whole four days. No, they just rounds. play the three days. There's no cut, and so yeah, it is a little bit less wear and tear. It's more guaranteed money because you yep. don't have to make a cut. You're going to get paid no matter what when you're in a tournament. That's sort of one of the big lures here. It is interesting because I was thinking that exact same thing. I do think that having these sort of polarized leagues coming to a head four different times during the you know the regular season of golf, as you'd call it, for the four majors is good for the majors and probably actually detrimental to everything else. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You don't, you're never going to watch the live tour. I mean, even I'm a big golf guy. I'm not going to go to get out of my way to watch the live tour, no. but I'm definitely going to love watching the live guys in this, even though I have some huge reservations about the live tour. I'm still going to wa- love watching Brooks Kepka versus Roy McIlroy this weekend. Oh, sure, but that's at a major. And, right. and, and, and other, you know, the only other, th- there's some other 
regular PGA tour stops that have been able to differentiate, like the Waste Management Open or whatever that's called sure, right. in Phoenix. It's become this like totally different event where the crowd is involved and it's you know sort of a party the whole time. So I think there's some parallels here, and to me, the the consistent theme across a lot of professional sports is just the erosion of our attention span. You know, right, TikTok, right. TikTokification and Twitterification of, of our attention spans as you turn your phone over. <laughs> I know. Um, so we do have news know, from uh, Andrew coming up here. Just a minute. That's what I was reading. Is that uh, we got some uh, transfer portal news? Because of course we do. It's that oh, time nice. of year. So like it's just less interesting to watch a regular season baseball game. Right. Less the NBA regular season totally. has become part of that's just like all the load management that the players are For under. Sure. But it's just such a long season that nobody's paying attention. For sure. And then it gets serious at the playoffs. Do you want to watch just like a normal non-major golf tournament? Right. Unless you're a super fan, but otherwise, not really. Well, and that's going to be the next. I want to ask you about this because I think this is the next evolution of marketing to sports fans because I think the sports fan of the 21st century where we're at right now is someone like me who wants to be involved and know as much as uh, as much about as many sports as I can and the only way to do that is to only follow the top competitions right. in each sport and or to create some new delivery mechanism so mm, right instead of having 3 days of 18 holes right change it up, do tournament play or skins or integrate betting right. in some way. Like, just create a different viewing experience where you create more on-ramps for a visitor where it's not like you have to watch this. It's watching a golf tournament. If you don't really understand golf, it's, it's kind of all over the place. For like, sure. Hey, this guy... He's done, but he can still win if this guy fails. <laughs> it's just hard to kind of track. It is, it is, for sure. And, you know, they could do a lot more things to make it more real time. And, you know, that, you know, purist would say that's antithetical to the values of the sport and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, you got to innovate or people are going to go away. Oh, that's why this new thing, uh, the business angle with Justin Angle in studio, this new uh, pursuit with Rory McIlroy and Tiger Woods about playing with each other on the simulator yeah. I think that will then, it's like a simulator league that will first start with the engagement of people be, being able to play on their own simulators or at a simulator at their local, you know, sports barn or whatever it might mm -hmm. be. And then it'll have a virtual reality element to it. And now all of a sudden, now you have a completely new experience like you're talking about. Play golf with Tiger Woods. And virtually. it's crazy how stuff like that takes off. Like stuff I'd For never sure. think would be popular, like watching people play poker. People oh, man. love that. Or watching people play video games. It's huge. I mean, these Twitch channels for the video games are like multi-multi-million dollar businesses of people just watching other people play Call of Duty. It's oh, nuts. Yeah. Way bigger audiences than a lot of the sports you're talking <laughs> about every day. Way bigger audience. I mean, like those guys at the, the top gaming team or whatever, those guys are making way more money than the professional athletes. It's totally wild. Speaking of guys that make a lot of money, though, I want to ask you one last thing about uh, the NBA playoffs because the uh, the Final Four is now upon us. The yep. Western Conference Finals starts tonight. Uh, Los Angeles Lakers at the Denver Nuggets at 6.30, so we will roll right into that game here on ESPN Radio. And then the Eastern Conference Finals start tomorrow night, Miami at Boston. The NBA is in a phenomenal situation right now because they have superstars across the league. I mean, you got guys on teams that didn't even make the playoffs, let alone pretty much every series in the league this year. There was like a, a, a must-see guy or a guy that people know by name. They're going to pay money to see. But you look at 
sort of the headliners that remain in the playoffs right now. LeBron James, he's certainly the king. The king star. Yeah, he's I mean, going to draw. He's yeah. the star of stars. You know, he he uh, appeals to the widest demographic of of people that are going to be watching the NBA uh, conference finals. Anthony Davis has has had this prodigious talent, but ne- has never really been much of a superstar in personality. But he's mm-hmm. certainly a well known guy, especially because of his allegiance with LeBron. Nikola Jokic hardly says a word. He's probably the least marketable superstar yeah. in the league, but he's also incredible to watch because he's so unorthodox. Well, he spiced it up by bumping oh, into that Suns owner. Oh, oh, oh a for sure. Weeks ago. Oh, for sure. And as Andrew always mentions, too, you got to pay attention to the postgame stuff because he's actually very funny. He, yeah. he just doesn't get as much run because he doesn't ramble on and he's not, you know, that brash or outwardly vocal, but he is kind of funny with some of his jabs. And then you got Jason Tatum, who's kind of the clean cut understated superstar for the Celtics. And then Jimmy Butler, who's sort of been this polarizing star so much because of his background, where he came from and and sort of his rise through the league. But then on the other hand, you have most of the best big stars in the league, whether it's Luka Doncic, Damian Lillard, Chris Paul, Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, Kyrie Irving. They're all out uh, of the playoffs. So, um, what do we think of this from the NBA perspective? I mean, uh, is this a, a make or break with LeBron James for the league, or what do we think of this from a marketing perspective of this conference finals yeah, based on the Super I mean, I think the NBA is definitely not wanting to see a Denver Miami final for sure, right? Like if you get there's there's a lot of storylines that 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 the various mass matchups could feed into, but Denver Miami is not the optimal one. Right? You could get Lakers Celtics would be hearkening back to former glory. Well, for that, sure, that and that. And that I mean, you know, the conspiracy theories that think the NBA is rigged, that's what the NBA, that's what they would say the NBA of would course. want. And you could look at, you know, LeBron versus Miami as a threat, sure, too. Sure, sure. And, you know, with the Celtics, Jason Tatum and, and their crew, yeah, they've been sort of, you know, notoriously inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Um, in a really kind of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde way. Like, you just don't know who's going to show up. If for the, sure. If the Tatum that showed up in Game 7 shows up for the series, you know, he could enter that echelon of those big names that you say are out of the already out of the tournament. So there, there's a lot of storylines that could get played into. Yeah, the Jimmy Butler storyline, he could transcend as well and kind of bring more people into his tent and maybe... Um, Sort of, not necessarily erase some of that story, that that murky past, sure. but but address it to some degree. The, the the last point here, I think that's fascinating, is that we've heard more about the the promotion of each individual person's brand yeah. amongst NBA superstars more than any other sport. There's more guys that have. I mean, if you watch guys that have actually endorsement deals on TV, even though the NFL is the biggest sport in in the country by a, a long shot. Yeah. Who actually has commercials? Like mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes, Dak Prescott. Not many. But not many. Whereas you can count commercials for everybody from Luka Doncic to Joel Embiid and a whole bunch of guys in between. So much about it that's fascinating to me, though, is the most dramatic guys, the most controversial guys, the guys that pound their chest the most, are actually somehow more marketable than the guys like Nikola Jokic, who doesn't really talk, but he's in the Western Conference Finals again. Yeah, of all the pro sports... Pro team sports, basketball is the one where, and just by virtue of the structure of the sport, right? It's only five people on the floor at any right. at any point. Uh, a single player can have the most individual influence over the outcome yes, of a game. That's right. And the structure of the game allows for that expression of individuality in for a sure. way that you know, football, baseball, it, those sports don't, and they don't a, have a culture of that as well. I mean, if it's, if it's a tie game tonight. 
then LeBron James will have the ball in his hands, and and Jokic will have the ball in his totally. hands. And you you know the the best player in baseball might not even get in at bat. Yeah, absolutely. Or they can't, you know, in football, maybe you don't get possession. Right, There's totally. all these other factors. Wayne Gretzky might not get the puck. LeBron James will have the ball in his hands at the end of the game. 100%. That, that's part of why. Yep. Uh, I, I just do think it's interesting that some of the most marketable guys are the ones that aren't left playing. And then I, I couldn't help but wonder if maybe stability and concentration on, I don't know, the sport you're playing is more important than trying to sell shoes, right? Yeah, and you, you know, who knows what marketability is, right? Sure. Like, is, is Kevin Durant working on selling shoes or developing a loyal fan base? Right. Because moving around to a bunch of different teams can can affect your personal brand to some degree and maybe your ability to generate sponsorship dollars as an individual. But it doesn't do a lot to cultivate a, a, a rabid fan base because sure. it's just so your allegiances are so fractured across various constituencies. It's just amazing the things that go into it and... Uh, sometimes and oftentimes it's not necessarily winning. How you play basketball, how you carry yourself, what you look... I mean, John Morant, and this is probably going to go away soon if it hasn't already, but John Morant had a custom shoe before a lot of these guys had a custom shoe. Right, And, you know, now he doesn't have any good friends that'll tell him to just leave his gun at home or at least not put it on Instagram. But either way, we digress. Uh, But it just is fascinating, the things that go into the marketing of Mm -hmm. of a superstar. Yeah, and and then you got to wonder, like, who's their boss? Is it... Right. Is it Nike or right. Adidas or great, whoever it is, point. Uh, Under Armour, or is it their coach? It was a great point. Nuan is now ESPN Radio, the business angle with Justin Angle. Always an inter- interesting conversation in the overlay between business and sports. It is presented by Blackfoot Communications. Thanks to Blackfoot for inviting me to these fun community events the last couple days. Went to City Club Missoula yesterday. Went to the State of Missoula uh, address today. And... Uh, sat with the folks from Blackfoot both times, so I appreciate Debbie and her team for always thinking of me. I love doing that kind of stuff, and uh, thanks for all the support and all the things we do here uh, at Nuanas Now. Visit goblackfoot.com to see how Blackfoot can help you and your small business.